Let's do it. Today's program, we are bringing the heat, we are bringing the fire. On the program today, we've got the Australian Open wrap, women's final and the men's final. Novak Djokovic wins his seventh title. We've got Davis Cup, Australia versus Bosnia, but does it really matter anymore? Does anybody care? We've got the Super Bowl breakdown from Atlanta. Tom Brady wins his sixth ring. What went wrong for the pathetic Los Angeles Rams? And we've got NBA action. What the heck is going on over in the States? It's absolute pandemonium. Players moving everywhere. It's chaos all over the place. This is no holds barred. All of a sudden, niggas got a problem with me. Black, what happened? They run around acting like the black don't care eat. And you know what? What? For some strange reason, I'm off of this medication, filling the range needing. For y'all to put the word out. We ain't leaving. We trying to be rich before we all stop breathing. Therefore, we kind of hustle lanes. Stay laying down our muscle game. Still turn niggas' dreams to flames. On the cover of your vibes, double X sounds and sauces, bitch. And we are back in the studio. It's no holds barred time. The no holds barred sports podcast. Jade Colf at the Colf Man coming to you live in the studio. We are in the studio and we are back. And I am pumped to be back on the airways because we have a lot to talk about. In the world of sport this week, uh, it is uh, it has been action packed. And first port of call on uh, today's show, we're talking uh, the Australian Open. We're about a week out from the end of the first Grand Slam of the year, and uh, what an event it was once again down there at Melbourne Park. Uh, the number one tournament, the number one Grand Slam in the world. That's just not me saying that. Uh, players, coaches, everybody involved with the event who has experienced uh, all the major tournaments all over the world. The French Open, Wimbledon, the US Open. Yes, the Australian Open is the clear-cut number one. And they put on another extravaganza down there at Melbourne Park for two weeks. And we're going to break down both the women's final and the men's final, what, uh, what we saw, what went down and what to expect moving forward for the WTA and the ATP Tour seasons uh, for 2019. Um, congratulations goes out to Naomi Osaka winning the 2019 women's title. Uh, and what a heck of a final it was over Petra Kvitova from the Czech Republic, 6-4 in the third set to the Japanese superstar and... Uh, she closed it out 
There were some testy moments for uh, for Osaka there uh, in the second set. She was all over Kvitova and uh, had had match points in that second set. Couldn't close it out. Uh, the lefty from the Czech Republic, the two-time Wimbledon champion, uh, really dug deep there and made uh, a real uh, top and titanic clash of it. Nothing better than watching Grand Slam finals that go the distance. And uh, the women's final definitely stole the show. But Osaka was able to really show great mental fortitude and toughness once again, like she did at the US Open that last year in 2018 when the Serena Williams fiasco took place. Uh, complete meltdown from uh, from Williams. We all know about that. I'm not going to get into get into the details on that. It just gets me fired up and uh, and quite annoyed uh, the way she carried on there. But uh, Osaka was able to find a way to win that match there in New York, and she found a way to pull it out of a hat here in uh, in in Melbourne. It could have been a real disaster having those match points in the second set, and she was really dominating Kvitova uh, in in all areas of the game. Um, but great courage from Kvitova uh, to fight back. But it was Osaka who closed it out. Uh, she has a real belief in herself uh, that she can, uh, you know, overcome adversity, overcome. Uh, some uh, some tricky situations, and uh, she closed it out and was a deserving winner. Uh, as I said, six four in that third set, uh, and it catapults her to the new number one uh, female player in the world, and probably rightly so. Um, she's a breath of fresh air, just twenty one years of age, and um, yeah, sets herself up for a a, a, a huge uh, twenty nineteen. She really is the new the new uh, female, the new kid on the block. And uh, she won uh, won the Masters 1000 event there in the middle of last year uh, over in the United States, which really uh, gave her the confidence to kick on. The US Open really sort of came out of nowhere. Um, but I saw, as I said, I saw Osaka 12 months ago uh, at Melbourne Park where she lost in the fourth round, saw her on the outside courts, and she looked, uh, she looked prime. There was no doubt about it. She was one that was uh, going to... Uh, be a, a major threat. I wasn't sure so soon, but um, she's gone from third or fourth round of slams to now uh, winning slams. New number one player in the world. Remarkable, really, um, the Japanese superstar. And um, she plays for Japan, but she has uh, Haitian heritage as well and uh, is based in Florida. Uh, spent a lot of time in the United States. Um, uh, at an early age, throughout her teenage years, training down there. It's a uh, you know sunny uh, eleven, you know, somewhat twelve months of the year there in Florida. Um, very strong athletically there. Uh, great training base there for uh, for all uh, professional athletes, uh, especially tennis players. And uh, she has cashed in on that. And Naomi Osaka, uh, congratulations to her. As for Kvitova. Um, I said the two-time Wimbledon champion. She is uh, she is a phenomenal ball striker. Uh, when she is um, in full flight, there's uh, no one better to watch in the women's game, in my opinion. And you know, really uh, uh, showed huge courage in the final, but also show, she showed huge courage coming back. Um, you know, as we as we probably know, listeners out there, if you didn't know, Petra Kvitova suffered a knife attack there a couple of years ago. Uh, in her apartment, an intruder invaded her uh, her uh, her apartment, and um, there was a scuffle involved. And uh, Kvitova's uh, left hand, the hand that she grips the racket, was uh, was badly cut, and uh, doctors feared uh, that she may never play again. And um, 
you know, she's uh, gradually found a way back. Um, you know, did the rehabilitation, uh, went through a lot of pain to actually just back get it, get get out on court, both physical pain and uh, probably mental scars more than anything. And um, she has slowly made her way back. Won five titles last year in 2018, five titles, but didn't perform very well in the majors in the slams. Um, so five titles is is a very successful season. Uh, if you're winning, if you're winning upwards of four or five t- titles on the women's tour and on the men's tour, uh, you are uh, you are in elite uh, 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 elite company there. And uh, the five titles there for Kvitova uh, really uh, showed that the writing was on the wall. Back in the top ten now, I believe she's at number two in the world. So Asaka and Gavita are at number one and two in the world, and they could not be more deserving uh, of those two accolades. Um, moving forward on the women's tour, a bit of a break for these these top women. There are a couple of uh, 250 events being played um, in Asia, uh, I believe, uh, this week. I think Gavita... Uh, took part in that, maybe made the quarterfinals there, but I think she's probably uh, long overdue for a break and uh, will uh, freshen up and then attack uh, attack the major events both in uh, Miami and in California in the United States over the next, uh, the next four weeks. Um, so both girls deserving of a break and um, yeah, they have set their seasons up. A, a tremendous uh, women's final in 2019. Coming up, we are going to break down the men's final. Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal, number one and two players in the world. It was all one-way traffic. It was a Serbian superstar taking his seventh Australian Open title, and he did it in emphatic fashion. We will come back here in the No Holds Barred studio, and we'll talk about how we got it done. This is No Holds Barred. From my head down to my shoes. We're back. This is No Holds Barred. Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. And we're about to talk about the Australian Open men's final. And it was built up, the number one and two players in the world, but it was an absolute fizzer. Uh, Absolute fizzer. Novak Djokovic dominated Rafael Nadal, much to the amazement of 15,000 people in Rod Laver Arena and a global audience all around the world. And he won his seventh Australian Open title and he did it uh, in uh, the easiest way uh, easiest way he knows how, just with uh, precision tennis from the back of the court. Uh, absolutely elite, world-class returning from Novak Djokovic and Nadal. Uh, was uh, was bothered and bemused out there. He uh, he was off balance constantly. He uh, he couldn't figure out the puzzle. He looked unsettled from the get go, and uh, that's uh, you know not normal for uh, the Spanish bull to really uh, look lost out there. He uh, now, as I said, he was always off balance, and Novak Djokovic was 
as stingy as could be uh, with the unforced errors. And uh, it was a straight straight sets victory uh, for the uh, the Serbian superstar, his seventh title, and he is a clear cut uh, number one player in the world uh, right now ahead of Nadal. And the question really becomes how uh, how many titles can he win, and who is a threat uh, to uh, Novak in 2019? Um, you know. Coming into the final, Nadal uh, didn't drop a set. Uh, coming into the final, he was uh, he was dominant early on. He destroyed Thomas Burdich in straight sets in uh, in round four. Uh, Francis Tiafo from the States, he made short work of him, and then he uh, completely dominated uh, Stefanos Sissipas in in the other semi final. So coming in, you know the form was there for Nadal to uh, to make an impact in the final, and. Uh, it was probably a 50-50 bet coming into the final, but, uh, you know, he was way off. And, you know, people started to ask, you know, what was the matter? Was he injured? Um, you know, you know, coming in, he was underdone. I think it was a combination of, you know, coming in, he was underdone with the match play. He hadn't played a lot since October of last year after he had, uh, I believe it was ankle surgery. And, you know, I think it may have taken its toll, uh, you know, playing... Uh, you know, six matches like that, and then he just ran into an absolute buzzsaw in Novak Djokovic. Um, and Nadal wasn't, he just wasn't able to get the ball uh, in the spots that he wanted. Every time he uh, he tried to get on the front foot to attack uh, Novak, he, he couldn't get the forehand uh, where he wanted to put Novak under pressure. And Novak uh, was absolutely in uh, precision mode. He was like uh, he was like a sniper out there. Every time he had time, he hit his spots, and Nadal was constantly off balance. And uh, Novak just pulled him around the court. It was like something we uh, we hadn't seen before. Um, but uh, it was a clear cut winner, Novak Djokovic. And as I said before, uh, it really is um, where do players go from here? Novak, uh, I believe, he only gave up something like five unforced errors throughout uh, the entire contest. Uh, that is absolutely uh, out of this world kind of tennis. And, you know, he played defense as, as, as well as ever. Uh, the return of serve was the, probably the most impressive part. Just really neutralized uh, the Nadal serve. No free points at all. All, uh, all balls were coming back, uh, you know, deep uh, with velocity down the middle. Um, that is the, uh, that is the, the number one return in, uh, in, in, in world tennis. Uh, in any tennis, deep down the middle, Novak has perfected that, and uh, Nadal was uh, really lost for words. He he couldn't uh, couldn't figure out the puzzle, and um, Novak was absolutely clinical and thoroughly deserved his seventh straight up and title. Now he's, he's the most successful player ever to grace our shores. Uh, he moves on to 15 Grand Slam titles and uh, puts pressure on Nadal, who sits at 17. Roger Federer at 20 Grand Slam titles. Um, so. Roger's got to be nervous there. Uh, Novak got uh, six or seven years uh, on Roger. Novak only 31 years of age. He looks, um, gee whiz, over the last nine months, he's been as good as ever. And out of nowhere too, he looked like his career was done uh, in terms of adding to the Grand Slam uh, trophy cabinet. And now he's won uh, three consecutive. He'll go into the French Open as uh, you know, possibly a second favourite there. Definitely second favourite behind the Dale. Um, but... Uh, you know, could he win all four? That's going to be the the, the narrative uh, moving forward in 2019 unless some of these players can make an impact and they need to start to make an impact 
uh, starting in uh, Miami and California. The Masters 1000 events coming up. Uh, if Novak sweeps them there, oh gee whiz, it's um, it's it's really Novak by how far for the rest of the for the rest of the season. Um, so um, super impressive performance from uh, the Serbian superstar. Um, some scary stuff. Um, and Nadal, uh, yeah, he was gallant in defeat, but he was found wanting in the final. And uh, it wrapped up what was uh, another phenomenal Australian Open. Probably not the final we wanted. We wanted another five-hour blockbuster like the one they dished up in 2012, which I still believe is the, the most crazy uh, tennis I've ever seen. Uh, the, way, the way they were both uh, moving around the court, the velocity that they were hitting, it really looked like video game tennis. Well, I keep saying that. It looked like video game tennis, like someone was playing a video game. Um, didn't look like it was real. Uh, truly f- phenomenal uh, phenomenal stuff back then in 2012. Um, conditions were a little bit slower this year. The new Dunlop balls, uh, I, I had spoken about that. That definitely came to fruition. Uh, it brought Roger Federer unstuck in round four against uh, against Sissipas, the new Greek sensation. And uh, Novak just eats up those conditions, those night conditions where, uh, where conditions are a little bit heavier, the ball's a little bit slower. Uh, he becomes uh, a human brick wall and uh, he's virtually unbeatable in those conditions. Uh, and he was unbeatable uh, once again, uh, exposing uh, Rafael Nadal in straight sets. Coming up, we are going to talk about uh, Davis Cup and what went down in the tie, Australia and Bosnia. Uh, and uh, do we even really care about what went down? Uh, you know... Davis Cup format has changed. Uh, best of three sets now. Uh, not no home and away ties. Uh, you know, in my opinion, it uh, it's definitely not the same thing, and I'm not the only one there. A lot of it's been a real big talking point. Um, we'll come back after the break here at No Holds Barred. Talk about that Davis Cup tie and uh, what to expect uh, from the Australian team uh, moving forward. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. You're listening to No Holds Barred. We are back. Jade Colf at the Colf Man, the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. Great to be back in the studio. Uh, it's been a big week in sport, and gee, I tell you what, if uh, if you're looking forward to uh, the Davis Cup, if you had a blink, you would have missed it. Australia and Bosnia from Adelaide, and it was Australia. Uh, a complete whitewash, three rubbers to zero. And really the topic is, does anybody really care about what went down there? Uh, if you take a look at the people in the stands, they didn't really care. Um, uh, I think a lot of the Australian public really don't care about it anymore. Been a lot of controversy coming in in terms of the Australian lineup with uh, the whole Bernard Tomic, Nick Kyrgios, uh, you know, Saga, Leighton Hewitt, uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, 
We want to get into some other topics that are really worth uh, worthwhile talking. I want to get, I want to talk about the Super Bowl and what's going on uh, over in the United States with the NBA. It's absolute pandemonium and chaos over there. It's a lot more interesting than um, you know tennis Australia, Davis Cup, Leighton Hewitt and Bernard Tomic. Uh, but in saying that, um, Australia, Bosnia, Bosnia was never going to create uh, much excitement uh, with this tie here, especially when it was on. Uh, in our backyard, uh, would have been a, a much more interesting and competitive tie if we had to travel to Bosnia. Uh, they probably would have played on a uh, on a clay court, a slow clay court over there. Um, um, but um, you know, the Davis Cup format, as we know, it's changed. Uh, it changed from uh, home and away matches. So instead of travelling uh, to a, a nation and, and playing over a weekend head to head. Uh, in best of five sets, um, now Australia will go to uh, a location uh, at the uh, at the end of the year for a one week uh, one week event with eighteen other teams. It will be best of three, and it'll be the last nation standing. Um, so, um, you know, does anybody really care about Davis Cup any, anymore? I think uh, it's completely you know the format's completely changed. Uh, I'm not sure of the value and the prestige that uh, it now has. What what made the Davis Cup so great was playing for your country uh, over the best of five uh, format, um, just like the just like the Grand Slams, just like the majors. Best of three um, doesn't uh, doesn't test test you out as a professional at all. Um, we're playing best of three sets at the the minor events on the ATP tour um, throughout the throughout the year. It's the grand slams and 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 the big matches um, that uh, is the pinnacle. And Davis Cup was definitely the pinnacle for for a lot of the athletes, a lot of the players. And now that prestige has been taken away because of this um, ridiculous, crazy, and uh, selfish format. And it's all based on greed. It's all based on uh, based on money. Uh, I really hope that. Uh, as you know, not only myself but a lot of others as well. Really hope the the old format comes into play. I hope this uh, this new format's a complete disaster, and I hope it uh, it goes back to the way it was. Um, but we're not going to see Davis Cup again till November or December uh, of 2019. So the ATP Tour is going to go on its merry way. But then um, all the nations that make made the finals, uh, the 18 nations will. Uh, We'll uh, we'll get together uh, and and play uh, play a, a, a seven to ten day tournament uh, to uh, to round out the season, round out the year, and uh, the last nation standing will be crowned uh, the the Davis Cup champion. Um, so hopefully uh, after this this year after the, what uh, you know with this new new format hopefully uh, uh, the, the powers that be uh, are moved aside and, and it goes back to the way it was um, you know so as I said Australia took care of business uh, they had uh, Alex Demonar and, and, and John Millman um, you know in the singles um, those two guys I don't believe are going to do serious damage against uh, against the big boys uh, if we were going to be a threat in, um, you know, team competitions against, uh, you know, the biggest nations and the best uh, the best countries in the world, we need, uh, one, we need Nick Kyrgios up and firing. Uh, we need him in the number one slot because Alex Dimonar, um, 
just hasn't got the firepower to compete against the big boys. Uh, I've been saying that for a while. Uh, he got exposed at the Australian Open where Rafael Nadal bullied him around the court. Uh, he was serving serves at a, you know, 175 kilometres maximum there on Rod Laver Arena in that night match where I was sitting there uh, in the skybox area uh, live and uh, Nadal just uh, basically laughed at him, hit winners off, off the first serve. He was, he was playing defence straight away. And he was absolutely blasted. Now, he's going to be able to maintain that ranking, I believe, around that 25 to, to 40 uh, area based on, uh, you know, just his preparation, uh, his hustle. He is, uh, he is a very good athlete speed-wise. He's, he's very quick. But he needs to find a way to, uh, to up the power game uh, this year in 2019. Otherwise, he's going to stagnate. Uh, or if anything, he's going to go backwards. He's going to regress. Uh, to, to get up there in that top 20, top 15, uh, you need weapons. You need, uh, you need firepower off the ground because those guys uh, are going to uh, really crush Demon R if he's unable to, uh, to, to work that part of the game out. So, so he needs to get in the gym. He needs to bulk up. He needs to put on, uh, I reckon, probably five to seven kilograms. He needs more heat off the forehand, and he needs more pop on that first serve. Johnny Melman, he played... Uh, he played the other position. Johnny, um, you know, gives his all uh, every time he's out there. But uh, he's another one too. He's not um, he's not frightening uh, the big boys in the in the big matches. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Hopefully, we go back to the old format. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, Davis Cup it's lost its value. It's lost its prestige, uh, and nobody really cares. It's just as simple as that. Coming up next, we're going to get on the hot topic. The Super Bowl went down in Atlanta. Tom Brady gets the job done again. How did he do it? Uh, Bill Belichick, what makes him so good? And the Los Angeles Rams, what went wrong? Do we have a Todd Gurley sighting or is he still missing? You're listening to No Holds Barred. We'll be back after the break. What would I be without you? I only think about you, yeah. I know you're tired of being lonely, lonely. so baby girl put it, on me. put it on me, what would I be without you, uh, I only think about you, yeah. I know you're tired of being lonely, lonely. so baby girl put it on me, yeah, Back in the studio, Jade Colf at the Colf Man. This is a No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. Yeah, Davis Cup. Where are we? Who cares? Who cares? We're going to segue now onto uh, a much more interesting topic. The Super Bowl went down in Atlanta. One of the biggest sporting events around the globe, the Super Bowl, and it was the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams 
who put on a uh, defensive masterpiece, both teams. Been a lot of talk about uh, this game. A lot of people didn't enjoy the game. A lot of people switched off. Uh, personally, I thought it was an absolute cracker. Uh, the game was three points all going into the fourth quarter. Um, what more would you want? You want uh, you want close contests, whether it's uh, it's high scoring or low scoring. I think a lot of people were blown away. They the Los Angeles Rams throughout the the NFL season uh, averaged uh, about thirty points a game. So they thought this thing was going to be a shootout somewhere around that uh, that thirty to thirty five points. Uh, but it was the complete opposite of that. But when it was all said and done, it was the Patriots who uh, were standing once again. Super Bowl champions, uh, Tom Brady took them on a on a drive late in the fourth quarter. We've seen that before. And uh, they went over for the score. And, uh, you know, a late, uh, a late field goal sealed it. Uh, 13 points to three. Jared Goff threw an interception late, which really, uh, which really uh, buried the Rams, uh, really buried them. They, they struggled to move the ball. Uh, the entire contest. Uh, their number one weapon, Todd Gurley, went missing uh, once again. His last four or five games have been um, nothing, nothing short of abysmal. There had been talk uh, over that time period of whether or not uh, Gurley was injured or not. Uh, Coach Sean McShay, the uh, the uh, the up and about uh, young new kid on the block, uh, the young uh, youngest head coach. Uh, in the NFL, uh, he defended uh, his star running back uh, staunchly throughout, um, said that he was fine. Um, but interesting numbers when it came to uh, came to the Rams' success. Um, when Gurley had less than 20 carries, the, uh, the Rams had a losing record uh, throughout the season. Um, when he had more than 20 carries, uh, they were undefeated. They they were uh, they were nine and zero I believe it was when Gurley had more than twenty carries. So wouldn't you think going into this game into this Super Bowl, if you were the coach Sean McShay, you would say, well, you look at those numbers, you look at those analytics, you look at those metrics. Uh, I'm going to give Todd the ball more than twenty times, and he's going to run because when he gets it more than twenty times, and he's running, he's running that ball, and he's uh, he's plowing forward looking for holes. Um, the Rams got the win. But Gurley, for the Super Bowl, had 18 carries. Well, I mean, what are the Los Angeles Rams doing? Did the coaching staff not look at that um, coming into this game? Like, absolutely. I'm just trying to work out why uh, why that approach. That, to me, just says give, give, give Gurley the ball more than 20 times and you're going to win this game. And the Rams were right there. The, the, the Rams were definitely right there. Um, it was just uh, composure from uh, from Brady, composure from uh, Coach Bill Belichick, composure from uh, the Patriots, which is what they're known for. They never panic, and and I think the Rams I think the Rams panicked a little bit. Uh, the Rams uh, had a, a bunch of uh, bunch of superstar players that they brought in uh, this year to, to high contracts, to high one year one year deals, um, and. Um, they they pulled up short. They 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 really they didn't get it done, uh, and it was the the more reliable uh, system oriented uh, New England Patriots who won their sixth title. 
uh, their sixth ring with Brady uh, at the helm at the quarterback spot throughout. Now, Brady, Brady I, I still don't believe Brady had much of a much of a game either. Uh, it was almost like uh, the New England Patriots defense were performing so well um, throughout the contest that Brady didn't want to. He didn't want to do too much. He didn't want to. You know, he, he looked like some of his throws when he was back in the pocket. Looked like some of his throws. He, he was playing it safe. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't going for the uh, for the home run. Uh, if uh, if it was a tight fit, he'd rather you know really throw it away. He, he didn't want to turn that ball over. Uh, which takes a lot of self-control, a lot of, a lot of mental fortitude, uh, and he really just was like, I don't need to, I don't need to force anything. Uh, you know, our defense is, um, is getting the job done, and, and the Rams, um, you know, the Rams weren't able to capitalize on that. Brady was, um, he pulled the cord in a little bit, he pulled the cord in a little bit, and he waited for the Rams to slip up, and slip up they did, um, with uh, with the interception late, but uh, but but also, um, you know, McShay McShay a real coaching uh, a real a real coaching uh, mistake there. Um, you know, Todd Gurley. If if you're defending your uh, your star running back, um, your MVP MVP candidate that that he is not injured. Why is he not running the damn ball? Why is he not running the damn ball? If he's injured, just just. You know, come out and say it. Come out and say that uh, say that he's hurt. Uh, he wasn't the same player over the last five to six weeks of the year, and you know he just didn't have an impact. And when it's all said and done, uh, that was the difference in the game. Also, the New England Patriots uh, wide receiver Julian Edelman, what a performance from him! Brady only had really had one receiver um, that he was going to, and that was um, that was Edelman. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, their uh, their big tight end um, Gronkowski uh, made a great catch there late uh, to really um, to really uh, to really set up the uh, the touchdown the the, the go ahead touchdown that put the Patriots up. Um, but Julian Edelman for you know throughout the the first uh, first three quarters that that was all they had. Brady was just uh, was just throwing it to Edelman. Edelman was um, tearing up. Uh, the, the star cornerbacks of the Rams, um, almost to the point where I go, was, is that Julian Edelman out there for the Patriots or is that Jerry Rice uh, dressed up in uh, a Patriots uniform? Uh, I thought I was watching Jerry Rice. I thought I was watching the greatest, the greatest wide receiver the game's ever seen. Um, said San Francisco 49ers Hall of Famer Jerry Rice, uh, who holds every receiving record in the, in the game. Uh, Edelman was... He was doing all kinds of stuff, and um, it was like he was running around by himself. It was Harlem Globetrotters kind of stuff. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and Brady was like, "Well, I don't don't need to throw it to any other these any any other receivers out there. I'm just going to keep throwing it to Julian. I'm going to keep keep throwing it to Edelman." And they could not shut him down. Uh, it was absolutely remarkable um, for a, a team that um, really is stacked defensively as well. Uh, you know they had they were strong in all areas. Uh, the Rams are a really well-rounded team, but uh, Julian Edelman wins the MVP and clearly uh, exposes the Rams. And this one to me is is the one that uh, the one that got away from um, from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, one stage there late, uh, you know, uh, you know, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniel 
you know, came to uh, to Brady and and the, his offensive uh, his offensive players and said nothing is working right now. Um, you know, nothing that we're we're trying is uh, is breaking the deadlock. Is getting through. So they basically threw the playbook out and, and just started um, started making things up on the fly um, to really shake things up. And 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 once again, it was uh, it was the coaching that got the job done for the Patriots over the Rams. Coaching very underrated aspect. Uh, uh, of sport, I believe, of, of, of pro sport. Um, takes uh, great leadership. It takes great nous. Uh, it takes uh, composure. It takes smarts. And uh, the Patriots, once again, showed that they, uh, they are the smartest team uh, in the NFL, uh, winning their sixth ring. And uh, for the Rams, it's back to the drawing board. Um, Todd Gurley. Uh, basically went missing. I, I believe he was injured. He, he, he couldn't have been right. Um, and, um, you know, looking at those metrics, you know, Coach Sean McShay and his, uh, his coaching staff, he's got to admit that they were, uh, they were outcoached, um, not giving Gurley the ball more than 20 times, uh, you know, leads to, uh, leads to a losing record. And uh, you can tick that one off there, that Super Bowl. That is the big, biggest dent in the losing record so far for Sean McShay and the Rams, losing that Super Bowl um, just due to bad decision-making, bad coaching, and bad execution. The Patriots reign supreme again. Uh, they, are, they are the smartest team uh, in the NFL and one of the, the smartest and uh, most successful uh, franchises in, uh, in all the sports, and it's, uh, and it's well-deserved. Coming up next, we are going to talk NBA, the National Basketball Association over in the United States. What is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis, and some of these other trades going on? And what is wrong with Kevin Durant? Is this guy ever happy? He has unloaded on the media in San Francisco in an absolute rant. We all love a rant, especially here at No Holds Barred. We'll be back after the break to talk more NBA. We are back. Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man, the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. We're back in the studio and we are absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. We're about to segue onto some NBA. But I just, I just cannot shake. Coach McShay, give, give Gurley the damn ball. Did you look at the numbers, Coach? Did you look at the numbers? It's too late to look at them now. Super Bowl's over. That's one you do not get back. Todd Gurley, man. Give him the ball. All right, we're under the NBA. We need to move on. And it has been absolute 
Pandemonium over there in the National Basketball Association. The trade deadline wrapped up yesterday and, gee whiz, over the last 10 days, the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans have been created, creating absolute mayhem over there. It has been out of control like you, you've never seen before. Now, what is going on over there, uh, you say? Well, unless you've been hiding under a rock or you're not an NBA fan, then you would know. Uh, Anthony Davis, the 25-year-old generational superstar player uh, who plays for the New Orleans Pelicans, has demanded a trade. He wants out. He does not want to hang around there. And there was all kinds of speculation that his management at Clutch Sports, which also represents uh, LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, that... uh, that the Lakers were uh, in the box seat to acquire the services of Anthony Davis. Well, over the last, you know, week to 10 days, uh, the Lakers have been doing everything they can uh, to make moves to uh, to acquire Anthony Davis um, to the point where, um, you know, looking to give up basically their entire team. Players such as Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball, um, there was even talk of, uh, you know, upwards of four four draft picks as well on top of that. And uh, New Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans haven't budged on that. Uh, they have stayed firm, stopped re- returning Magic Johnson's phone calls, um, and has turned into an absolute debacle. Uh, the train deadline uh, wrapped up yesterday. Um, uh, and basically, uh, Davis now has to stay with, uh, with the Pelicans uh, for the remainder of the season. And other teams such as uh, the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks and, and the Los Angeles Clippers, who have also shown interest, uh, now want to throw their hat into the ring. So uh, where does that leave the Lakers? Well, the Lakers uh, have really got to pick up the pieces. Uh, they were blown out by 42 points there the other night by the Indiana Pacers. And there seemed to be a real, uh, a real divide, um, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the team, and uh, you know, LeBron James, his, uh, as I said, his agent Rich Paul, who uh, who heads up Clutch Sports, uh, who signed Anthony Davis uh, about twelve months ago uh, to uh, to their agency, to their management. Um, it looks like uh, they've been uh, putting pressure on. Um, on the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans uh, to to make the move. So there is, uh, there really is um, some collateral collateral damage here. Uh, the Lakers somehow bounced back today against the Boston Celtics. They were down uh, upwards of uh, twenty five to thirty points halfway through the the second period, um, but uh, they made an amazing comeback there uh, in Boston. Obviously, the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers uh, have a stor- storied uh, rivalry, um, the, probably the, one of the biggest rivalries in sports. Uh, but the LeBron James and the Lakers come flying home. LeBron ended up with, uh, with a triple-double, upwards of 28 points, 12 rebounds, and about uh, 14 assists. Um, showed great leadership, uh, led from the front, and they uh, clawed their way back. A scramble play at the end, and Rajon Rondo popped up with the ball uh, and sunk a, a 12-footer off balance, which hit nothing but net. 
uh, and the Lakers uh, won the game by a point, 128 to 127. Ironically, Rage and Rondo won a championship with the Celtics uh, back in 2008, uh, the point guard. He's travelled around the league. He's uh, a bit of a journeyman since then. Uh, but uh, he hit the game-winning shot. Phenomenal, really. Uh, the crowd was left stunned. And maybe that is uh, what the Lakers needed. Maybe that's uh, a galvanising win for them. Um, we were going to find out here soon over the next couple of months of whether they're able to get it together. Um, but, uh, you know, there has been uh, a, a lot of talk, a lot of media speculation around about all this. Uh uh, around this Anthony Davis saga, but now it seems like other teams are now in the in the mix. Uh, the New York Knicks freed up some cap room. They uh, they traded Kristaps uh, Porzingis, their seven foot three uh, Latvian center, who shows all kinds of promise. This guy can shoot the ball from deep. He can he can do qu- uh, a lot of things. He had a knee injury that uh, put him out uh, last year. Uh, the Knicks have moved him to the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, the Knicks look like they are uh, cleaning house, uh, clearing up cap room to make a run at two potential superstar free agents uh, next season. Kyrie Irving of the Boston Celtics, he is also uh, out of contract. Um, And uh, there's speculation that uh, it may be uh, Irving and Kevin Durant from the Golden State Warriors Uh, heading to the New York Knicks. Uh, Irving hasn't made up his mind yet. Um, Some think he still may may sign in Boston, but he's one. Look, Irving's a bit of a flake, really, if you ask me. He doesn't know what he's doing um, from week to week. There was even talk there he wanted to come out and play with LeBron. Um, So all kinds of stuff going on. It's never a dull moment. Something seems to change every single day. Um, But the New York Knicks have... uh, have cleared up that cap space, and even though the New York Knicks have been a, 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 a massive dumpster fire of an organisation and franchise over the last 20 years, um, it is a, a massive market. That is the appeal, and um, you know, maybe uh, an Anthony Davis uh, or a Kevin Durant uh, heads there. I still think um, Davis wants to play for the Lakers, but it really comes down to New Orleans uh, holding the rights to Davis and... They'll look to trade him during the offseason after, the, uh, after this season and they'll be looking to get uh, uh, you know, the, best, uh, the best assets and the best situation uh, for their team. So the Lakers weren't able to get it done. Now they've got to sit it out. They've got to, they've got to regroup. Coach Luke Walton has got a, a massive job on his hands. Uh, I'm not too sure if he can survive it. Um, you know, he's, got to, he's got to bring this group together and um, make sure they play as a team, remain professional. And, and I think, I think with, uh, with the team the Lakers have, with a healthy LeBron James, they can be a playoff team. They actually do have some real young talent there, uh, but they're willing to give it up. They're willing to, uh, to clean house uh, to get the 25-year-old seven-foot Anthony Davis, who is really a transcendent player, uh, to join uh, LeBron in LA. Um, as I said, clutch sports, uh, uh, you know, LeBron's, uh, LeBron's uh, agency who represents him, uh, they're going to take a lot of heat for this. It looks like they've, uh, they've tried to force things here, um, uh, tried to pull a real power play, and um, you know, it can't be good for their brand uh, moving forward with this. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what pans out um, 
with that there. But Kristaps Porzingis, the big move. He's off to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, a good move for the Mavericks. Uh, he'll form uh, a good combination there with uh, their other European uh, rookie, 19-year-old Luka Doncic, who looks like uh, he looks like he looks like a 10-year All-Star. This guy, uh, 19 years of age, putting up incredible numbers. Uh, he is uh, he's a superstar uh, in the making. He's a star player now, but he'll be a superstar probably as early as next year. So it'll be Porzingis and Doncic in uh, in Dallas, and the New York Knicks. Uh, have plenty of cap room. Knicks only winning around about 10, 10 or 11 games so far this year. They are absolutely uh, diabolical, but they are looking, uh, they are looking uh, not looking at this season, they're looking to attract some superstar talent to their franchise uh, in the offseason. Will that be Davis? Will that be Durant? Will that be Kyrie Irving? It's going to be an exciting offseason. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to talk about uh, our man, Kevin Durant, in Golden State. He's gone on an absolute rant and an absolute tear at the media uh, at the podium after uh, after a game the other night that the Warriors won by 30. Um, I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, and uh, we're going to wrap up the show. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man at the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. We are back in the studio. It is no holds barred. The sports podcast. It's been a great show so far, huh? Some super stuff, some real fire in today's show in the studio. Man, these trades are just out of control. Speculation. It's going to be an incredible off season. And leading that off season. I believe, I mean, this guy is just must-see uh, must TV, all these press conferences. Kevin Durant has got to be the angriest man in the NBA. And, you know, for some reason, this guy, yeah, he left Oklahoma City. He was a free agent. He went and joined the Golden State Warriors, who were the best team in the league. Had won 73 games before he went and joined them. Basically jumped onto, uh, jumped onto a winner. Never in the history of the NBA had one of the best players in the league go and join the best team in the league. Uh, and he copped a lot of flack for it, and probably rightly so. And But since then, you know, won a couple of titles, a couple of MVPs in the finals, um, and... He's got a pretty good in Golden State, no doubt about that. Steph Curry is still the main guy there, I believe. When Steph when Steph Curry plays, uh, the Warriors mainly win. Uh, when Curry's been out injured, the Warriors have struggled, even if Durant's been in there. Uh, I think that irks Durant a little bit. I think that rubs him the wrong way. I think he's very sensitive about that. And... Uh, 
he hasn't got the kudos for winning those titles that um, that he that he's that he's wanted. I don't know what he expected, really. Um, you know, with Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, uh, the organisation is um, run very well these days. Uh, they drafted all those guys. Draymond Green is there as well. Uh, the bench is not as strong this year, but. You know, Durant, this guy is on edge all the time, and it makes me laugh. It is must-see TV. This guy, I mean, this guy, I saw this absolute blow-up at the media in San Francisco there uh, yesterday, and it was uh, it was engaging. It really was. And what it was to do with was, like, Durant's going to be a free agent again at the end of this year, and there's speculation that he's going to leave. Uh, he's going to leave Golden State. Uh, and go somewhere else uh, and maybe join another superstar such as a Kyrie Irving or maybe even Anthony Davis or or whoever, uh, you know, these guys talk to each other. They know what's going on. He'll know uh, he won't be going somewhere by himself. He definitely won't be going to New York by himself. He'll, uh, he'll want to take a running mate there with him. But Durant's got the perfect situation at Golden State. He's, he's really a protected species. All he can, all he has to do is go in there to the arena, run up and down the court, score, score as many points as he wants, play some defense. Uh, Draymond Green does all the dirty work and, uh, you know, does all the rough stuff for the rebounding. Steph, you know, shoots the lights out. Clay Thompson, he plays defense. He doesn't really say much or or, or get out of line. And and Durant uh, can just really do what he wants, just score. Uh, they win games and he goes home and everything's great. Uh, they win titles. Um, but he just doesn't seem to be happy. Um, you know, he's joined the best team in uh, the entire NBA. And and uh, winning just doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, scratching the itch that uh, that he needs he, he needs scratched. Um, so he's, he's very jealous of LeBron James, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he doesn't know what he has to do to, to be considered better than LeBron. Um, but the bottom line is he, he's not. He, he's not as good as LeBron. He's a fantastic player, Durant. Don't get me wrong, but you know LeBron is the ultimate Swiss army knife. Uh, this guy does absolutely everything. And when he does play, he looks like he's actually from another planet compared to uh, the other guys when he hits the uh, – when LeBron hits the nitro button, it is, um, it's absolutely lights out. It is, a, it is a freight train coming at you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and LeBron's one of those players where when he hits that nitro button and he's maxing out and he's, he's playing at uh, 100%, uh, leaving nothing left in the tank, uh, other players actually look like it, it's clearly evident that he is, uh, he's stronger, he's more skillful, uh, he sees the game better than everybody else. He's just really playing another game. Um, and it stands out. It really does. Um, and I think Durant leaving leaving the Gold State Warriors to, to join the Knicks would be an absolute disaster. It would be an absolute nightmare if he joined the Knicks because uh, the media would absolutely eat him alive. Absolutely eat him alive there in New York. The, the, toughest, uh, the toughest media in the world, New York City, in the, arguably the biggest city in the world, and he would be, he would be front and centre there. He wouldn't have Steph Curry. He wouldn't have Steve Kerr to protect him. 
you know, he wouldn't have that perfect situation where, you know, you're winning your 65 games and you're the NBA, uh, the NBA favourites. You'd be joining a team that wins 20 games. Um, and as I said earlier, over the last, you know, 20 years have been an absolute uh, dumpster fire of, uh, of an organisation. And there'd be nowhere to hide. And, you know... It was hilarious there watching that press conference there the other day where, you know, after a 40-point win uh, the other night, Durant didn't really have much to say. So it was after Porzingis got traded from uh, from the New York Knicks to the Dallas Mavericks, um, he had nothing to say. So it looked like, um, looks like the moves that the Knicks have made uh, are to cater to someone uh, of Durant's, Durant's talents um, because they clearly want him. And the media have uh, been giving Durant a hard time uh, about that. And uh, he doesn't want to hear it anymore. He told them to, um, you know, he doesn't trust any of them, uh, any of the media. He says they're talking about stuff all the time and all he wants to do is play basketball. Well, well, Kevin, let me, uh, let me tell you something, mate. When you, are, when you are the superstar guy and you make, uh, you make all the money in the world, you've got to answer questions. You really do. Now, <coughs> if Durant had have signed... Uh, didn't sign uh, sign more than a one-year deal. Uh, if he signed a four-year deal in Golden State, then he wouldn't have to put up with all this speculation and these uh, these rumours. But because he signed a one-year deal, he wanted to keep the leverage and he wanted to uh, keep his options open, well, you have to answer the questions. Um, but he's so, uh, he's so sensitive that he, he just can't handle it. And I don't understand why. Um, you know, you don't see any other superstar in the league acting this way. And... Uh, I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's must-see uh, must TV. And, um, you know, the, uh, the blow-up uh, there in San Francisco the other day was absolute, uh, absolute, absolute gold. He stormed out of the press conference. And, um, you know, it, it, um, he, is, uh, he is temperamental as they come right now. And these, uh, these Knicks rumours are not going to go away. Um, but as I said... Kevin Durant leaving uh, and joining the New York Knicks, it would be an absolute nightmare. I think it would be a real big mistake. I think he's better off staying in, uh, staying in Golden State where he's got an amazing situation. Everything, uh, you know, he's, he's protected species there. Um, you know, sign a long-term deal, stay with Steph Curry, keep winning titles. You don't need to do anything different. The problem is he doesn't want to do that because he's not getting the uh, not getting the respect or the kudos because he's jumped onto a winner. It's really as simple as that. He should have thought about that uh, before he made the move. He had other options. He could have gone wherever he wanted to go. Uh, but because he jumped onto the winner, he jumped onto the bandwagon, uh, he still is not satisfied and he's still got that scratch to itch, uh, that itch to scratch. Now, in saying that... Um, you know, to join a situation like that, the Golden State Warriors, like a professional basketball player, that you know, they worked their whole life to get themselves in that situation to win championships and uh, to to win MVPs and to 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 be uh, with an organisation like the Warriors now, um, which is a finely run run machine and has been for the you know the last five to seven years. But it'd be the same. It would be the equivalent on on Robert Downey Jr. You know. Worked his whole life to get the get the role in uh, in the uh, you know the Iron Man series. Now Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you know, um, 
you know, worked his way up. You know, he, he, he crashed and burned. You know, had the, had the drug and alcohol problems. Come back out of rehabilitation. You know, worked his way, worked. He got his life back together and worked his whole life to get that Iron Man, uh, Iron Man role, uh, which makes him the biggest star on the planet. And, and it's like Robert Downey getting that Iron Man role and then going, oh, I've had enough of that role. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to do small budget independent films. It's so it's so outrageous and so random. You'd go, what? What are you? What is Downey talking about? What? Are you, what is Robert Downey Jr. talking about? You're going to go from Iron Man and thirty million a film to, oh, I've had enough of that. I'm going to do small budget indie films, and donate the donate my salary to charity. It's like what you think? Like you've lost your freaking marbles. What are you talking about? You know, and that's what Durant. The same thing as Durant here. It's, it's the Golden State situation is any superstar in the league um, would want that situation. You know, the winning, the scoring, the, uh, you know, playing with those, uh, those teammates, having a coach, Steve Kerr, arguably the best coach uh, in the league. Steve Kerr's seen everything. He's done it all. Played with Michael Jordan. Uh, you don't bail on that. You, you don't bail on that situation. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going he's gonna to go to somewhere like the New York Knicks because he's pissed off, because he's, he's constantly upset. Uh, he, he, he's going to have to lead. He thinks he has to lead uh, a team uh, to the title. He has to lead a team and, and beat a LeBron James with him being the main man and a supporting cast. And I don't think he's got it in him. I really don't, especially especially in New York. Uh, I think it'd be a big mistake. I think the media would eat him alive. He'd be front and center. It'd be must see TV. I I kind of hope that he goes to the New York Knicks. That'd be fantastic. Jeez, it'd be entertaining. That's for sure. But you don't bail on that situation that, that you've got there at the, you know, at the Golden State Warriors. There's no doubt about that. You you really don't. You you, you see that out. Um, you stay with Steph and Steve Kerr, and, and you win more titles. You you don't. When you are, when you are Denzel Washington, you you are, you know, you don't give up roles like, uh, you know, like Training Day and Malcolm X to to, you know, to take on small budget indie films that nobody gives a damn about. I mean, let's get serious here. Durant, I think he's slowly losing his marbles. It's absolutely fantastic. It's great. Uh, it's great. Uh, the media are uh, asking the tough questions. It's what it's all about. He's going to continue to see more of it. And uh, where he is going to continue to be a hot talking point in the NBA as his impending free agency gets close. And the New York Knicks are going to make a run at it. And I think he's going to take... They're going to dangle the carrot. And I think Durant's going to take it. And I think it'll be... Uh, a career move, which is a mistake. But when you have a player who is not happy, when you have a superstar who is not happy and they're winning titles and they're winning MVPs in the playoffs and they're in a great situation, it just goes to show you that some people are just never happy. And I think Kevin Durant is one of those guys and he is going to pay the price if he leaves San Francisco but I'll be sitting in the front row taking pictures. This is Jade Colf with the Colf Man. We'll be back after this break. If you are a mess, you should just think who you are anyway. If you're in that booth, you can't. 
can't just hit me on that link like two. I'm not that type that get involved in no relationships. Taking trips and buying gifts, I'm sorry, I'm not. Can't just hit me on that link like two. I done seen some funny shit since I got in this game. They want my crib, they want my kisses. We're back. No holds barred. Jade Colf at the Colf Man. What a show. What a show. Absolutely action packed. Had absolutely everything. Been very, very enjoyable. What about that Novak Djokovic, huh? It's going to take some beating this year, no doubt about that. We're going to bring you all the action, keep you up to date on No Holds Barred on all the ATP Tour and WTA Tour action. That'll be back in full swing on next week's show, next week's program. Let you know who's making an impact. And I really see a lot of the programming now on No Holds Barred over the next few weeks. It's going to be a lot of NBA. What about that Kevin Durant, huh? This guy's completely off his tree. He's off his rocker. Absolutely off his rocker. But I love it. Absolutely love it. We're going to keep you posted on all the meltdowns from Durant. And we'll keep you posted on the Los Angeles Lakers. Can they come together and save the season. They've got young talent. They really do. But can they get over this Anthony Davis saga and clutch sports? Where to now for clutch sports? We're going to keep you posted on everything here at No Holds Barred. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. It's been an unbelievable show. Hope you've enjoyed it. To all the listeners out there. And we will be back next week for the next episode on the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. We'll see you guys then. I cannot laugh though, I can ride highly nice. I'm not the type that get involved in no relationships wow. Taking trips and buying gifts, I'm sorry I'm not on that tip If you want romance, you should just think who you already okay. with If you're in that mood, you can't just hit me on that late night team I'm not the type that get involved in no relationships wow. Taking trips and buying The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.